following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and West Coast Windows. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Well, good morning all across the ACN network. This is Marty McClendon, your host of In My Opinion, the show where I give my opinion. Uh, beyond that, though, it is actually where having been involved in politics for over a decade now, since 2010 to now very active in Washington state politics. So was that 13 years, um, about 15 years in healthcare, 25 years in real estate. So I talk about culture and business, not to mention probably over uh, about a decade in, behind the pulpit. I don't pastor a church now, still licensed, still do weddings, still do funerals. Uh, on the on the side, but I just love the Word of God. So um, basically, though, we talk about politics, civic government, culture from a Christian worldview. And, and of course, this is a Christian um, radio network of, of several stations across central and eastern Washington. Uh, I love that. But think about this. You, everything we look at in this life is through our worldview. Whether you have a non-Christian worldview, a Muslim worldview, a uh, uh, atheist worldview, a political or communist worldview, for from a Christian worldview, we see things as um, in that light that God created everything. That we are a creation of, of uh, children of God. That Jesus died on the cross. He went um, to pay for the price for our sins, so we can receive Him as Lord and Savior. We can have eternal life with God the Father, being restored. And we can not choose that as well, and that we have free will to either align ourselves, submit ourselves, to repent of our sin and, and receive this forgiveness, or we have the right to reject it. And then the consequences of such are we're already here, right? I love one of the quotes I saw the other day. It was like, um, it's not that God would force you to go to heaven. It's the idea that we're all going to hell anyway. Because we're born into sin. We're naturally sinful, and we naturally rebel against God. Um, that he gives us this lifeline. He said, I've made a way. I've made a way where there was no way. I mean, that's a, a popular verse. But think about it. Jesus Christ, God the Father, sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to live a perfect life, to die upon the cross, to take atone for and uh, to substitute for our sin, he was sinless, and then he rose again, resurrection power, right? And they seated at the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to us. So he's made a way, right, where there was no way. And so the, for us as believers and those that you don't know, that, that don't know the Lord yet, that's exciting. But that's, that's all we're doing is sharing a way. Since we're all headed um, through our own sin and rebellion, uh, whether it be um, small or big or whatever in our own eyes, the fact is we've all fallen short, and we need a Savior. Uh, I love the fact that, that God made a way for us to have eternal life, a way for us to be forgiven, a way for us to be back in relationship with Him. And we have a choice, whether we want to or not. So I'm hoping that everybody listens to this show obviously made that choice. Um, there are times when I've rebelled after making the choice, and I, I'm still dealing with that as well. We, this idea, this this fleshly things, you know, when we die to ourselves, that really means committing our flesh, right? Submitting our flesh um, to our spiritual, right? Uh, meaning that our spirit is submitted to the Holy Spirit of the Living God, 
our soul submitted to the spirit, and of course our, our body, our fleshly body is submitted. It's in a proper alignment so that we hear from God and we obey God and we have our um, fleshly desires under control. Uh, it's when our fleshly desires rule our life, rule our emotions, rule and, and stuff or silence our spirit, we get in trouble. Anyway, I'm already getting preachy today. So today, it's, you know, once again, we're talking about all things culture and stuff through a Christian worldview. And one of the ways we do that is we start off each week with one scripture verse. It may be the scripture of the day. It may be something that I read during the week that kind of highlighted, if you will, that I wanted to share. Uh, this happened to be just happened to be the scripture of the day from the YouVersion Bible app, um, which is oftentimes I go to when I'm running behind or whatever. But I love it. It's simple. It's straightforward. Here, read this or a Bible plan. Um, not an, a sponsor, by the way, but check them out. So today's verse is one that also is often used, often quoted, uh, even by those that are probably aren't um, really devout Christians, what are, of all the different denominations, right? Um, and oftentimes this is called the golden rule as well, right? Um, but beyond that, it's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. So I'm using the Amplified. I have the ESV up. I have the New King James up. Uh, again, I typically lean towards the Amplified just because it you know, has all the different possible um, words that could have been used in the, in the uh, writer's translation from the original, if that makes sense. So here it goes. This is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. It says, And Jesus replied to him, as he was asked the question, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the added words. That is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. I love that um, sort of extra words there, right? Seek the best or higher good for others. Um, It's like, the first part is we cannot love our neighbor unless we love God first. We don't have it in our capacity. We have our version of love. We have our version of caring. But our strength and the fact that God loved us at first, we love him back, this idea that since that love of God pours into us, we can then extend that love to other people. You know, even the Lord's Prayer says, Lord, forgive the forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Or, or you know, it's this idea of tras- trespassed against me. And the, whatever, whatever version you want on that, the idea here is, is we're going to be harmed by our neighbors because we're human beings. And so I'm just saying this is a, a powerful verse. This is one of those things where I'm reminded again, all throughout the Old Testament, it says, love your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind. And Jesus reminds them all through Deuteronomy, uh, God does, and then Jesus in the New Testament and reminds them that this is still the greatest commandment. It's about relationship with God, that it's, that it's all. He doesn't want a part of us. He wants all of us because he's given all of him. It's like what the great exchange that is, right? Relationship of God the Father for what we have, what we've accomplished, what we've with our lives, it's it um yeah i remember isaiah and uh and when he went before the lord and the cherubim he was like i am filthy rags and here's a guy that was a prophet of the lord right but he was i'm filthy rags but he understands in 
in comparison to Almighty God. We all are. And I think that's that humble mindset. Yeah, okay, Lord, I need you. I, I can't do this on my own. So I hope this is resonating with a lot of you today. That is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. I'll read it one more time. And Jesus, Jesus replied to him as he was asked, what are the, the commandments? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is unselfishly seek the best or hire good for others. Because oftentimes we look what is best for us, right? What is the best good for us? And God's saying, do that for our neighbors, those around us. Um, that's because of the love of God's in us first. And I love the fact that in this translation, right, it says with all your heart is first, right? Because that's our passion, our first love with Father God, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, um, right? And with all our soul, right? Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? Do we think upon God? Do we choose and, and exercise our will to be in obedience to God, right, in our emotions? Are we emotionally, right, uh, engaged with Almighty God and love, right? And then it goes on to say, uh, after that, with your mind, right? Even though your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion, I love the fact that it says your mind. Okay, well, are you thinking about this? Are you intentional about this? Are you studying the Word of God? And these, this is not being critical. These are things speaking to myself. I love that when you dive deeper in these words, he's saying, look, this is an all or nothing type thing. We, he wants us to be fully invested, all parts of us. If we are spirit, soul, and body, we want to be, he wants all spirit, soul, and body. And I think that is, uh, you know, and then, of course, we're supposed to, in turn, think, treat others around us um, like we would our, ourselves, right? Higher good, best for them. And you think about this, too. My wife and I will always, whenever we're going through a struggle, um, whether it be sowing and reaping, meaning we reap something because we made mistakes, um, spent too much, did something, or we're struggling with a, a health problem with our children or my wife or wh whatever it may be, whenever we're, we're dealing with some stress, if you will, and we all deal with this, it may be a financial hardship, we found that if we focus on our problem, it's just miserable. You know, um, when, we've, when we cry out to the Lord, Lord, help, right? And oftentimes what we get is if we focus our attention on other people, meaning find a place to serve, go feed uh, the homeless, or go serve those that are less fortunate, or go help those that are going through a similar crisis or a problem as you are. And it is amazing. First of all, you feel better because you can still do something. You can still add value to somebody else, but your attention has swung away from your own problems to the problems of somebody else, then God uses you in a way to um, help them, relieve them, bring a blessing to them, and all of a sudden your problems uh, are dealt with. And if God moves somebody in your life or the problem gets resolved, it is amazing to me how many times in our personal life this has happened. And it takes a bit for us to go, oh, yeah, that's right, okay, um, Lord, we prayed, Lord, we're going to focus on where do you need us to serve? Where do you need us? Who needs us right now? So this right here, loving your neighbor, it takes an act of will, an emotion. You know, but it first comes, Lord, we love you with everything we got. And now because you've commanded it too, we're going to 
put the interests of others, right, above ourselves, right? We're going to put their best interests. So, but show us where to serve. And we can, if we take this, even this part, if we take this upon our own strength and, and make it something somehow about ourselves, then we're in trouble, right? This is about where does God want to lead us and who does God want to help? And another little lesson, little side note, not preaching here today, is to be aware. Not everybody, even there's, there's a lot of people that need help or cry out. And, and I'm not saying not to be compassionate, but it's like the homeless. There is some compassion in not giving money to the homeless because we know it feeds an addiction. You know, yes, pray for them. Yes, there's, there's ways to, to, to bring a meal to and so forth. Um, but sometimes when we intervene in someone's life, when God's doing something, it's too early. And we're now um, not in trouble, but we're not helping them. Um, at some point, sometimes people have to reach a point where they look up and say, Lord, I, need, I have nothing else. And so that's why I'm saying is pray and obey and serve where God leads you to serve. Um, anyway, that's a long part on that one, but like I seem to be long-winded lately, so... Forgive me for that, but I want to encourage you all that, you know, this is one of those scripture verses that really resonates in my spirit. Uh, it's a re reminder to me to return to my first love and to really dive in with my whole person, not to uh, hold something back. My wife teased me about this when we were dating early on. I would give a little, but I wouldn't give my all, if that makes sense. I would, you know, I always play it safe by keeping one foot in the boat, if you will. And uh, even with Peter uh, walking on the water, it was an all or nothing thing. As long as his eyes were upon Jesus, he walked on the water. Um, when he took his eyes off, off Jesus, he started to sink and started to panic. And then, of course, Jesus scolded him in a way. He says, ye of little faith, right? This, this idea that uh, it's, it's fully in. Uh, it's, it's fully in with Jesus. And so a reminder to you all as well, I'm sure you all are fully in. Um, but that's one of those things, Lord, show me where I'm not fully in, where I have a foot in a boat. Let me be fully in all the way, spirit, soul, and body um, uh, with you, Lord. All right. So there, uh, the story that came out yesterday on Friday, I want to touch on this as well. Diane Feinstein, at the age of 90, passed away. She's still serving in the Senate. She was the longest serving woman in Senate history. We've got kind of a, I'm not complaining about old people. I'm, I'm getting old myself. I mean, I'm getting older. Uh, it, it, it's amazing to me, though, that we have Joe Biden, who's the president now, and, and I'll go into that. I'm not a fan. I'll just say that at the very least. He's been dangerous. I think he's been um, bought out by the Chinese government, Ukrainian government, that he is a corrupt puppet. That's my, my opinion, which is why the show's called that. Based on what I've seen, this is objective facts that were coming out in the House. I'll talk about that in a second. But Diane Feinstein, uh, the longest-serving woman, passed away at 90. So um, I'm hoping that she knew the Lord, that, um, that she's in heaven. I don't know. She's a Democrat. I'm not saying nothing about that either, but California. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is, first of all, um, pray for her family and her children and her grandchildren and so forth uh, in the lost. 90 is a good life. I'm, I'm praying that I reach 90 or better in this life, trying to be healthier. But with Biden serving 47 years in the Senate, then becoming president, so we're like over 50 years in public, on the public dole, if you will. I, I see, I've seen with my own eyes in Olympia, seen with my own eyes in D.C. when people, elected officials, 
um, are there multiple terms, um, they get insulated. They get into this bubble, if you will, because they're influenced. I remember Derek Kilmer, Democrat congressman over in the 6th Congressional Districts, um, said this um, to another person in, in my hearing as well, that he spends 80% of his time in D.C. fundraising. So 80% of the time that, of the elected official for a congressional district in Washington State is spent with lobbyists fundraising in D.C. Think about this. And he's not the only one. I'm sure Republicans and you know across the board are this. This is the system. So you have... Uh, special interest groups across this nation spending a large amount of monies, raising money, giving money to incumbent can- incumbent congressmen and senate senators and senate uh, women. If you, I'm not sure how the words go there, but the, those that we elect, we elect them to represent us, right? Uh, they're supposed to live here, serve here, take the, the what we say, um, the pulse of the people, and take it back and fight for it in D.C. And yet the majority of the time, they live in D.C. and just travel back here on occasion for campaign stops. Our system is messed up right now. And, uh, so you have 47 years for Joe Biden plus the presidency. You have Brian, uh, Dianne Feinstein, the longest serving um, senator. You've got Maxine Waters. You've got, I could go down a list of about 30 on both sides of the aisle. Um, Schumer, um, even, uh, anyway that have been in the House or the Senate for a long, long, long time. It is that bubble that concerns me because they get into that uniparty mode where they're, they want to stay. And I've always said, that I, I ran for office multiple times. I plan on running for office again someday when the Lord opens that door. Uh, I, I feel called to serve the people. I also know that there is a danger. You have to be prayed up. You have to be surrounded by um, believers because of the influences of people in power, the administrative state, if you will, the bureaucracies at the state level, the agencies that are have been given the authority to write rules of their own that has a power of law, that use taxpayer dollars to actually lobby legislators to raise and, and to protect their agencies, and knowing that each elected official, except for these cases where they're there forever, typically are in office for a few years and then are gone. And these bureaucracies and agencies at the federal and state level remain there. The, the, the monster remains after the let. So they don't pay attention as much. They give lip service to and money to elected officials in power because they've got a relationship with them, but they don't care because the next person will be along. So we've got to fix this by holding the people in power accountable We've got to replace them on a regular basis. Uh, they may be doing a great job, keep them there, but that's how do we know they're doing a great job if we don't hold them accountable? And just as we coming up now, we have literally two weeks or less, probably your military a week before the mid the off year election, the 2023 elections, you'll have a ballot in your mailbox. I beat the drum very heavily during the primary about getting out to vote. The overall turnout statewide was about 30%. Spokane County was around 29, 30% final numbers that turned out for the primary. We've got to do a lot better than that in the general election. You've got the top two candidates for every race. Uh, I'll go through that probably next week on recommendations, maybe over each county on the major positions for this election. But yes, you're, you're going to be voting. By the time my next show airs, you sh- some of you will already have your ballot. 
And by the, the two shows from now, you will have your ballot. And we'll go over this as well. And we'll probably talk to Tom Reed about it. This is crazy, but this is important. We've got to vote. We've got to turn out in mass. We've got to hold uh, people accountable uh, that are in office. And this whole 80% of the time raising money, that's got to be broken up. Um, I, I understand that's a big, big, big monster. But when you're spending for the presidential election next year, they're, they're expecting billions B the B, uh, to be spent in a presidential race. When you look at um, even my Senate race in 2018, like $5 million combined for both sides spent on a Senate race, a state Senate race. That's getting really uh, um, out of reach. So let's say that you are a strong conservative, um, a, a excellent uh, public servant, right? A pub, you know, wants to go serve. And how do you compete against millions of dollars of special interest money that can buy the airwaves, that can uh, move political parties, if you will, into motion? It's tough. It's, I'm not saying it's in, impossible because with God, all things are possible. But we've got to work, which is, comes into us voting. That's why I'm encouraging you again to get ready. Because literally, those that have served, those are veterans, those that are in active military, ballots will be out next week. And then two weeks, you'll be getting your ballot. I would recommend that you do your research, that you um, vote, that you cast, you fill out your ballot early. And then it's up to you whether you want to turn it in early or not. Some recommend that you wait and you turn it into the, the ballot box. Some recommend you turn it in right away. I recommend... Fully, whenever you do it, make sure you take it to the, the county auditor's office where they, the votes are actually counted, or, or you use one of the um, manned, if you will, uh, chain of custody drop boxes. I would not mail it in. There's been way too many proven problems with mail-in ballots. So take your mail ballot to you, fill it out, and take it into a drop box or take it into the voting headquarters and turn it in in person. At least you know that they got it. Um, and the rest are obviously we have to fight to make sure that we have integrity. Now, speaking of election integrity, we know that in Washington state, we've got a history of uh, anomalies, if you call them. Back, I go back to the Dino Rossi gubernatorial race, where uh, Governor Rossi on election night, and of course afterwards, had won the election. Uh, he was in the lead, had won the election. Uh, then they found some more ballots in King County headquarters, um, boxes uh, in the trunks of cars. Remember this? Uh, and then um, they had a recount, and Dino Rossi was still winning. And then they found more ballots. And then they had a recount again. And um, it was on the third recount, if I recall correctly, that um, Christine Gregoire won the election. And then it was certified right after that because they have to do it in somebody's time. And then we're like, wait a minute, this seems very fishy. So the Rossi campaign, Republican Party, uh, sued right for this to be investigated. They had a, a court case in Chelan County. While Christine Gregoire was sworn into office, she started serving. Um, and, of course, the court case went down. Yep, sure enough, there was um, some shenanigans. Yes, there was some uh, fraud but there's nothing we can do about it. Basically, I'm paraphrasing the ruling. If you don't remember this, this is basically what happened. That, yes, you're right, but you can't win. She's already governor. Um, live with it. And, of course, then Dino Rossi ran for the next four years. 
and and got beaten. Uh, and uh, we don't know why that is. But it's just pretty common, though, that the incumbent has about a five-point advantage. And also, that's also why many of these um, um, lobbyists will invest in incumbent candidates because they are, by and large, going to win. I think it's 90% of the time in Washington State the incumbent wins. So it's it's rare that a challenger defeats an incumbent. Okay. But it does happen. It happens. You know, we've seen it happen. We've seen write-ins happen at least once in our state history where they've won. Um, but I say all that is because in 2016, my lieutenant governor race, where I was in the top two, I was a Republican nominee uh, after 16 candidates, and you had the Democrat nominee, Cyrus Habib. And, of course, we went 38 out of 39 counties and, and King County, um, so they announced all of the results on election night, and I was winning. I was up, and I was in some ways shocked in this state to have such a big lead, but knowing that King County had not came in with their initial votes yet. Well, apparently there was a fire alarm pulled at King County election headquarters, uh, and they had to evacuate the building. So about a half an hour later, uh, they cleared the building, came back in, started counting again, and lo and behold, we lost the election. Cyrus Habib had a, uh, it reversed, because there's so many people in King County, but reversed um, the election, and of course, then they were able to certify that um, Cyrus Habib won. It seemed fishy. It seemed very fishy at the time, but the party didn't want to file a lawsuit uh, as a campaign. We didn't have the resources. We only had 100000 in the entire campaign to over $6 million that Cyrus Habib and the Democrats spent on their campaign. So we had to have, we had to have personal standing to make a lawsuit like Dina Rossi did to bring it to a court um, to fight the election. I wish we had in hindsight. I don't know how we would have done it, but we should have at least challenged that because it was very fishy. The reason I bring all that is Doug Baster, my co-host for Doug and Marty versus the world, heard on these same stations at 10 a.m., also ran for office several times for Congress, is now currently running for King County Election Supervisor, the place where all the problems over the uh, history, over the last 30 years at least, or 20-plus years, uh, has been happening. The, the problem that we say, well, it doesn't matter, because King County turns out massive numbers of votes. Well, there's, there's a lot of anomalies. When you talk about Kim Wyman, before, the former Secretary of State, before she went to work for the Biden administration, um, they didn't scrub the roll. They didn't remove... Uh, people that moved out of state or illegal aliens voting or people voting that were felons that shouldn't. These are all should be scrubbed from the rolls every election, and they weren't. And so there's, there's clearly a number of issues with election integrity that we have to resolve. I say that now because this primary election just a few um, short months ago, during the counting of the King County elections, right in the elections statewide and county in King County, um, someone noticed and witnessed someone going in and removing and replacing one of the servers that were doing the counting uh, and would not have been noticed unless someone actually would, had been an election observer and saw and asked a question. So there's a big hubbub, like why would you change a server out during the middle of counting and who are these people that went in to a secured room where no one was supposed to be to change the computer out? Again, this may be perfectly legit, but it doesn't look right. Okay, So, of course, the outcomes are all in the Democrats' favor in King County. 
we don't know if the changing out of the server had any effect at all, but it should not have happened. So now you have a chance. I know many of you do not live in King County, but it's one of those things where, okay, Doug Bassler is running for that position to bring clarity, to bring transparency, to make sure that there's no shenanigans going on in King County. So if you have someone who is above board, honest, conservative, running a department that counts the votes for King County, that will affect the outcomes statewide. If you can clean up all of these anomalies, cleaning up the voter rolls, removing illegal aliens, removing felons, removing people that have moved out of state, that will start. If you will secure the lockboxes and have a proper chain of custody, if you will, in this case, not allow anybody in to replace or connect to the computer network, I think that will dramatically change. Now, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But the point is, is there's too many questions over a series of years back from Rossi to 2016. And I'm only naming the ones that I know off the top of my head. I know there's been more. So for the rest of us, all of us have to turn out across all of our states. We need to turn out in mass. So typically for Eastern and Central Washington in a general election, it's about 70% on average to turn out. King County turns out over 90% every election. Yes, some of that could be fraud. We get that. If, but I'm saying if we turn out Eastern and Central Washington, even at 75 or 80%, our statewide candidates win because these elections are close. It's King County in many cases that, that, that controls or is the margin uh, of victory for many of these leftists or rhino candidates. So turn out anyway. Vote for people like uh, Doug in your county as well. And I'm just saying for this too, uh, since we only have a short time left, pray for Doug. Pray for this victory. Pray for integrity in our elections. Man, I didn't get to any of the stories today, but take care. God bless. I'll talk to you next week on In My Opinion. I'm your host, Marty McClendon. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty.